0: Ooh, and welcome back to Witch Fix. Today is a bit of a, an odd episode because I'm rolling two books into one because, to be honest, not a lot happened in the first one. So I thought rather than waste an episode on just talking about how nothing happened, I would maybe be a bit more creative and just stick this one at the beginning of an episode for a book where stuff actually did happen. So, what I'm talking about at the beginning of this episode is the Wicker series again. So, this is book five in the series Awakening. Um, and to be honest, uh, again not a lot happens in this book it's like nearly 200 pages of basically follow-up from the previous book so the previous book ended with morgan being sort of cornered in cal's house but she tried to burn down around her and her being rescued and the start of the book is exactly straight onto that scene she's still being rescued she is taken away uh, to Hunter's house to get cleaned up and then goes back to her parents and pretends that nothing's happened. Uh, and then the book basically just deals with Morgan trying to address her feelings towards Cal and also her changing feelings towards Hunter because she's sort of starting to like him more and starting to find him more attractive so you know she's getting on with Hunter very well. This involves her doing some rituals to like get rid of and purify her space of like all Things that relate to Cal, so burning the things that he's given her and and just trying to move on with her life. There's not a huge amount plot wise um, going on in the book aside from that. There is a slight question that the magic shop that they go to for all their magic advice, which is owned and operated by two blood witches, David and Alice. Whether that's going to close down because the building belonged to David's aunt but she's died and she's been borrowing against the value of the property privately to a local developer who obviously now owns the building and is going to sell it to be developed and they won't be able to afford to rent space in town anymore so the shop will have to close down and the people who live above it in flats will lose their homes. Then the developer turns around and forgives this debt and says that they can just keep the shop running and this is very suspicious and because hunter's job is to investigate people for black magic he decides to investigate this and find out who is responsible and if black magic has been worked against this man so that's basically the only plot in the book um and that gets resolved quite quickly it's quite obvious who is responsible the only other things that really happen aside from morgan dealing with post cow drama and hunter's investigation into the evil guy is that morgan starts getting back together with brie her her ex best friend and they kind of start to realize that when cal came into their lives he slept with brie and then decided to date morgan and that drove them apart and the two of them kind of realized that he did this on purpose and he was definitely trying to distance her from her oldest friend so she'd have no one to talk to because he was trying to bring her into this evil coven and and break her down as a person. And I think it's good that they've talked about that and and realised that. At the beginning of all the chapters, or some of the chapters in the book, we now get a new voice coming in because... um, We've had previously extracts from Morgan's uh, Biological Mother's Book of Shadows. We've had extracts from the point of view of Cal and Hunter using their craft names. And this time we have extracts from somebody else who refers to themselves as Magharch or Magharch. And it becomes pretty clear from what they are saying that this person is actually Cal and Hunter's father. Who left Cal and Celine when Cal was about six, um, moved on to his new wife, Fiona and started a family with her. And then they felt that they had to run and hide because of this dark wave phenomenon, which has been destroying covens all over the world. And he sort of writes in his journal that he's worried that it's something Celine directed at him for leaving her and that all this dark energy uh, that's following them around and is causing them to be too afraid to return to their children it is being caused by her and that's quite interesting it, it gave her an interesting insight and also he decides at the end to reach out and contact hunter and hunter sort of receives a message from him a witch message to say that he wants to get in contact and they want to talk to each other and with morgan's input being you know you should definitely speak to your dad who you haven't seen in years um hunter seems set to contact him and i think maybe that will start to unravel some of the mystery around what happened with celine and and what happened when he went away so to be honest uh, the plot of this one was quite weak there's the stuff going on about who may or may not have used black magic to keep the wicker shop open and there's also a sub plot line where uh, morgan's aunt and her partner have just moved into a new house and they're the victim of a gay bashing. And Morgan decides to try and do magic to rectify this and and make them safe. Nothing really comes of any of these plot lines. It's basically just um, something to keep the book driving forwards when predominantly it's mostly about Morgan and Hunter getting to know each other. And by the end of the book, they're sort of in a relationship, I guess, because um, on the very last page, he presents her with this crystal. And he says that it is a a form of Beryl known as Morganite, which obviously her name is Morgan. And he says, it changes colours with the sunlight. At different times of day, it will be white, lavender, pink, even pale blue. It's a powerful healing stone. And there's something else it can do. His hand closed around the stone. He looked at me and his green eyes were as fathomless as the sea. If a blood which holds it and sends energy into it, it will reveal what is deepest in his heart. Hunter opened his hand, and in the very centre of the crystal, I saw myself. Which probably seems quite romantic to teenage girls, but left me sticking my tongue out and going, because, quite frankly, I'm in this for the witch mysteryness and not for the love stories, although I am quite glad now that Cal is gone, because he was very annoying and quite clearly evil. Incidentally, I googled Morganite just to make sure that it was a real thing, and it is, in its cut form, it kind of looks like a, a rose-tinted, Diamond and uncut form, it kind of looks like rose quartz but spiky like an amethyst. Is the best way to, to I mean, you can probably tell from this that I'm not a geologist because I'm not <laughs> describing stones because I'm a bad witch, but yeah, that's basically what it looks like. And it nothing seems to denote that it actually has color changing properties, but that would be fucking awesome if it did, wouldn't it? Something that I marked just in the book, it's right at the beginning, page 27, uh, basically morgan is filling in alice and david because they were in celine bell tower's coven star locket coven which is just a cool name and she's trying to explain to them what happened and they're like oh yeah it was evil it was horrible and then david kind of sticks up for celine which makes sense because he's doing black magic later on in the book but what morgan says is she's pure evil i said angrily the force of my words surprised me david raised one silver eyebrow it's more complex than that, I think. Very few things are purely black or white. Plotting to kidnap or kill me, I demanded, to steal my mother's coven tools. Doesn't that count as evil? Yes, of course, David said. He wasn't flustered by my outburst. In fact, it occurred to me that I'd never seen him flustered about anything. Her actions were evil, but her intentions may have been more complicated than that. I've marked that, like, as I was reading, because I was like, that is actually a very good point. Sometimes we can do things that turn out being bad, but our intentions were good like people say the road to hell is paved with good intentions and especially in magic when you work it your intentions can be one thing and then what happens can actually be another because things can go wrong or maybe you weren't clear on your intentions or maybe the goddess and god have other ideas of what needs to happen and it can be quite changeable like that And we tend to label some kinds of magic, especially in in books like this, which is like for teenagers, as being good magic and there being evil magic or white and black magic, which has some quite racist undertones there. But that isn't necessarily the case. And, you know, you can work magic against people, defensive magic, without it being dark or evil. It can just be magic. It's all shades of grey. But then it turns out, obviously, that David's saying that is someone who practices really, really bad magic in this. And I realise I just said that there's like no such thing, but he basically uses his own blood to summon demons to attack someone, which isn't something that you would necessarily do as a Wiccan. So I feel justified in saying, like, in actual Wicca, there isn't really good and bad magic. But obviously, in the fictional universe of this book, There definitely is. Um, And I feel like that kind of undermined his point slightly and made what I thought was quite a nice point in the book kind of moot (laughs) because he was just trying to justify doing something bad later on. One thing I did like about it is that Morgan does this ritual to get rid of the things that Cal has given her because all the presents he has given her have spells on them that are meant to control her or prevent her from seeing things that he's doing that are bad and things like that so she realizes this and she chucks them all in her cauldron and burns them outside and I actually did this um I ended quite a a difficult friendship and it was quite difficult to to get through because I realized that we were just never going to see eye to eye on some things that are really important to me and in the end to try and rid myself of all this leftover negative energy I remembered something that I'd read ages ago in a a book, which was called Feng Shui for Sacred Space, which said that when you look at a gift or something in your home that you don't like, it saps energy from you because it's sharing your space and you don't want it there and you don't like it. And it's reminding you of bad things. And I really took that to heart when I read that book because I was about 13 when I found it. And it's struck with me ever since. So if I get things that I don't like um, as presents or, you know, if I move in somewhere and there's an aspect to the place I don't like, I try and fix it and I try to get rid of the thing and give it to someone else who will appreciate it. And in this case, um, I had, you know, pictures uh, of me and this friend, uh, events that we'd gone to and things that they'd given me, cards and I took it all down and I put it in a box and then that wasn't working because I was still thinking about it. So uh, I did. I lit a bonfire because we've got this bonfire bin in the garden. I chucked in a whole packet of dragon's blood incense cones because dragon's blood is meant to be good for like exorcism and banishing. And I just burnt everything. And afterwards, I felt sad, obviously, because some of the things were things I liked, but they just had these negative commentations to them now and I had to get rid of them. So out it all went and i just liked seeing a a ritual similar to that in the book i thought was a really nice touch to turn something that obviously she's doing because it's for magical defense but it's also something that you would do at the end of a relationship uh, that's gone badly just to try and cleanse yourself of what's happened and that's about all that happens in awakening so without further ado let's move on to spellbound which is book six in the series and to be honest Basically all of the stuff happens in Spellbound so you go from one extreme to the other of not a lot happening in Awakening but then a lot of those threads being involved in coming up in book six. So that book kicks off with a coven meeting where they basically decide to merge formally the two covens um, that have been in existence. So Cirrus which is Cal's old coven currently headed by Hunter and Kithik which is the coven that Skye has formed with Raven and Bree and some of the other people and they agree to do this and essentially the beginning like the first half of the book is much in the same vein as Awakening it's very much all about Morgan trying to move on from what happened with Cal and Selene and her trying to get back in with her friends and try and work out her feelings for Hunter but then weird stuff starts to happen and one night driving back past Cal and Celine's mansion, which is sealed up with magic and empty since they fled, Morgan believes that she sees a candle flame at one of the windows and her and Hunter start to talk about this and you know whether this means that Cal and Celine could be back and he can't really find any indication of that. But then they, the two of them are involved in a near fatal accident because... Um, Someone has cut Hunter's brake lines on his new car, and there's no magic involved, but they've been cut, and he sort of wonders, is this some enemy that he has that can't use magic, or is it an enemy that he has that isn't using magic for a reason that will become clear later? So because of the title Spellbound, I kind of started thinking in a sort of Ginny Weasley Chamber of Secrets kind of way, that maybe someone was being spelled to do these things. And in that way, kind of circumvent the the magical signature of the real perpetrator from showing up. That's not actually the case. And you do find out who was doing them before the end of the book. And the other thing that happens is that someone saws through something that's holding up the second floor veranda on Hunter and Sky's apartment. So um, it actually falls a bit and that causes Morgan and Hunter to fall quite away and, and get injured. So all of this mysterious stuff stuff is kicking off and so Hunter floats the idea of performing this special ritual that uh, kind of plays off of something that we'd seen in previous books. There's basically a kind of Vulcan mind meld thing that the witches do where they can get inside each other's heads and see memories and it's been used previously to kind of circumvent the need for a long conversation. So when Morgan first found out that Hunter was actually still alive and hadn't died as a result of her actions in book three they met each other and they did this kind of Vulcan mind meld thing uh, so that they knew what the other's intentions had been and that they weren't actually trying to hurt each other and it has a long name which I'm not going to try and pronounce because it's another one of those sort of Gaelic names but the ritual Hunter now proposes is quite similar it involves Morgan doing this ritual with um, a witch with a lot of knowledge and that she can essentially it's basically like steroid assisted learning she can suck out all the knowledge that they have and share it for herself so that she'll go from being a very inexperienced um very new witch but with a lot of power to being someone who knows how to control that power and knows how to do various magical things that could help her protect herself from cal and selene so they float this idea and they eventually decide that alice the blood witch is quite an older lady who works at the wicker shop and who's been quite a friend to Morgan throughout the previous books, that she is going to be the one she shares the knowledge with. And then the latter half of the book is about the preparations for that ritual. And it's also about Cal rearing his ugly head again and Morgan being... Not entirely sure what his intentions are and what he's going to be doing. So I would give the second half of the book kind of another trigger warning because there's a lot of like gaslighting and kind of abusive behavior going on. Not physically abusive um, between Cal and her, but he's very emotionally manipulative. Which if you have been in an abusive relationship or if you know someone who has been, you'll recognize a lot of what he's doing very easily interspersed between the actual chapters are the now quite familiar diary segments and all of the diary segments in this book are from a new person who is signing off each entry as s b which is pretty obviously celine Belltower or bellflower i forget what her name is but cal's mum essentially and i had a kind of a problem with this because these contain quite a lot of those phrases and Celtic-y words like the names of covens and things Um, but the actual writing style they've chosen is probably the worst handwriting font that I've seen in any of these and I did complain I think in one of my early reviews that sometimes the font they pick for these segments is A bit hard to read and that hadn't really been a problem, I think, because we hadn't seen any more from Morgan's mum, whose font was like the hardest one. But this one was just terrible. And I was trying to read this book in bed um, with a lamp and I just couldn't read it because it's very skinny and very twirly and... it's just it was very difficult for me to make out and get through those sections so i had to make sure that i had good light for those but we do get through these to see a lot of celine's backstory and a lot of it is fairly dark um it basically chronicles how she came to be in a very evil and and dark worshiping woodbane coven and a lot of the rituals and things that she'd gone through to do that and how she had embraced the darkness and the power and was basically just a a power-hungry narcissist and then we get into her marriage to cal's father and a lot about how that worked and there's another trigger warning here for abuse because a lot of the things that she does to him again are emotional abuse and things that could be construed as sexual coercion and assault which is not great and um, but it definitely shines a lot more light on some of the things that have been hinted at in the books so far So in that sense, it felt good that we were starting to get to know a bit more about Cal and Hunter's dad, who is kind of conspicuous by his absence in the book and has sort of become an interesting figure to me in the plot, because I want to know, one, how he managed to stay married to Celine for all this time and also where he is now and what he's doing. He does briefly contact Hunter through the magic seeing stone that Hunter has. But then this dark wave comes between them and they can't talk anymore. And through Celine's diary entries, we begin to understand the sort of origin and purpose of the dark wave that has been destroying covens and that basically it is sucking up all their power and transferring it to her woodbane coven that she was in, which has a name that I actually can't read probably because of the font, but it looks like Amaranth, which I swear is a kind of grass that you feed to animals, but that could just be my Stardew Valley knowledge rearing its ugly head. There's also a revelation later on in the book, uh, Morgan and Hunter managed to sort of relive the last moments of Morgan's parents when they were shot in their barn and burned alive. And that's not very pleasant, as you can imagine. But by getting inside her mother's head at that moment, Morgan learns that Kieran, who is the guy in the previous book that her mum had written secret messages about fancying and who she thought was her soulmate, but who is regrettably already married to someone else he was the one who set the fire and he was responsible so he might be involved in celine's coven still we don't really know what his purpose is but it's quite an interesting thing to introduce into the plot and again it made it feel like this book was actually the second half of the previous book because a lot of the things that have been brought up in that were causing more action in this the end of this book is a lot more action-packed because the previous book didn't really have like an actiony climax it was just hunter and morgan doing romantic things which i mean that's probably fine if you're into their romantic relationship but i'm not really invested in it that much so it was a bit boring this one is not boring because literally everything happens morgan's sister a dedicated catholic and also, obviously, not Morgan's like blood relation, um, but they are very close and they have a really good relationship. She is kidnapped by Celine as bait to get Morgan to come to Celine for like a confrontation, and then they have like a full Harry Potter versus Voldemort showdown that ends in Celine being subdued in a sort of magic cage. At this point, Celine is kind of crushed by this like cage and she can't use her magic, and she starts to kind of look a bit weird and like she might be a bit sick or something like something's going on with her and then she baffs up a bunch of black smoke which smokes off out the doorway and Selene is then dead on the floor which if you've seen Supernatural definitely seems like a demon has left her body and bounded off to demon another day but it's not that clear and basically the consensus of Hunter and Morgan after seeing this is what the fuck was that? So they don't seem to know either so I'm sure we'll find out in later books what that was all about. And the book ends with Morgan comforting her sister but not really knowing what to say because obviously this really harrowing experience has happened to her and it's because Morgan's a witch and it's kind of confirmed everything that her sister felt was bad about Wicca, that it was dangerous and that it was evil which is why she'd become so much more actively Catholic. Is because she wanted to negate that influence on her life that Morgan was bringing in, and now that influence has led to her being kidnapped and physically imprisoned and nearly murdered. So you can kind of see where she's coming from on that front, to be honest. We're now over a third of the way into the series, and I feel definitely this has drawn the whole Cal and Morgan arc to a close, mainly because, massive spoiler alert, he does die at the end of this book. Uh, He dies doing a good thing, though, so... I mean, that's something if you were a hardcore Cal fan. I'm not sure if anyone is, but if you were team Cal, he goes out like a champ. I don't really know where the series is going to go from here. The plots aren't entirely predictable. Um, You do kind of get an idea of where they're heading within the book. But the overarching plot of the series, I still don't really know where that's going because we've got like another nine books to go until the series is over. And seems like we've just lost our two main villains Celine and cal they've been like the villains since book one and now we're going to have to introduce some upper level baddies maybe the people who are behind this farm animal grass coven and maybe they're going to do something maybe more is going to be revealed about morgan's biological mother's ex-boyfriend and his involvement in their murder we might find out a bit more about the dark wave Some other characters had also been introduced through Céline's diary entries that she mentions that she studied with them Uh, and a lady called I think Clyder which might be the female version of Clyde which I'd never encountered before but she learned all her dark magic from her and this coven so maybe we'll be seeing more flashbacks and more entries from them. Not sure, very interested to find out. The series has definitely now moved away from like Things that are Wiccan and it's it's definitely reading better for that because I didn't really like them using the word Wicker anyway because what they're talking about is like the seven great witch clans and actual magic where you can set things on fire by looking at them and that is definitely witchcraft and should be called that, and should not be confused with Wicca, the actual religion, although Morgan is actually practicing that religion at home, so you get this kind of weird split where she's like set up an altar in her house, and she meditates, and she takes like a cleansing bath, and she celebrates the sabbaths, and all of these things are Wiccan, but then she also goes out and like points an athame at someone, and they burst into flames, and she's using magical warding spells, by tracing rune symbols in the air and all of this is very fantasy witchcraft and the mixing of the two is like oil and water and I'm really not getting the connection between them or how they're meant to work or the function or it doesn't really explain like where is this power coming from because on one hand they seem to be saying the power comes from within you it comes from your connection to the earth and then also they talk about the goddess and I'm like well which goddess are we talking about is it just a general goddess there specific goddesses that these people believe in it just feels like it's a little bit haphazardly implemented this idea of there being Wicca and also witchcraft but i'm sort of getting beyond that a little bit because we're now moving into a more fantasy space and the more wiccan trappings are being left behind so i'm hoping to get on better with the rest of the books having said that the other books are also of this quite short length so i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to dedicate a whole episode to each book because are quite short so I might try and like squidge two of them together just to make an episode where enough things happen to talk about because unlike with the Circle of Three series I feel like they don't really have standalone plots really or enough Wiccan elements to make discussing each book on its own worthwhile. I hope you've enjoyed this episode remember you can get in touch on Twitter which is Witchfix and remember you can also get in touch by email which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com And in the meantime, you can also donate to the Patreon, which is in the description box. And just generally let me know if you're enjoying the series or if you've picked up a copy or so yourself and you have opinions on the Cal vs. Hunter dynamic, because I think it could be the new Jacob and Edward. Although not new because this book came out in 2001, but we could definitely go there. So let me know how you feel. In the meantime, I'll see you in the next episode. Bye! (laughs)